HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm Linda Palaccio, your host here on Heritage Radio Network. And today we are pleased to be sponsored by Dixon's Farm Stand Meats in Chelsea Market in New York City. Um, and here on A Taste of the Past, we usually um, talk about different aspects of culinary history. That's, that's my plan for the show and the format for the show. And um, I was looking at different food festivals that occur, well, especially now that we're getting into springtime, um, as this is being recorded, and no city in America is um, shy or bereft of any food festivals. It seems like food, cooking, and eating festivals abound in, in every major city around the country. But something that caught my eye, well, for a couple of specific reasons, which I will get into later, um, but one particular um, festival that caught my eye is also um, a new website. And the reason it caught my eye is because it's not just a food festival, but it is a, a culture festival and a culture website as well. So, um, and it's all about Asian food. Now, Asian, the Asian population in America is huge. I think it's about one-fifth of the entire population. Not sure. We'll find out if anyone else can help us out on that. Please comment if you know statistics. Um, But we have with us today Danielle Chang, and she is the founder of this website that I was just referring to called luckyrice.com. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Danielle um, has had a tour of Bushwick, Brooklyn, and <laughs> which none of us have really explored that much. And, and you walk around and and you see um, a lot of buildings and a lot of trucks. Well, of I houses. couldn't have picked a better day. I mean, it's the perfect day Gorgeous for getting day. lost. Right. <laughs> but she made it, and we're so yes. happy. Um, so any of you listening live, you'll know that we started just a little late, but we are happy that Danielle found us. And um, here at Roberta's. We're so happy to be in the back of Roberta's Pizza. But we're going to talk about Asian cuisine and Lucky Rice. Lucky uh, Danielle, first of all, Danielle is an award-winning media entrepreneur. 
she has she started she was a publisher and founder of Simply City magazine and Simply City website simplycity.com. She also uh, worked for creative advertising department and Goldman Sachs and the New York Times and as a professor of contemporary art history. That's quite a resume. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Danielle, tell me what is Lucky Rice and and let, let, first of all what just for it it's first caught my eye as a food festival, which uh-huh. I know is going to happen in the um, the end of April. Right. But what is LuckyRice.com? Well, Lucky Rice is really about just Asian food, seen through the lens of Asian culture, Asian people. Um, it's really a multidisciplinary brand that spans um, culture in all its forms, art, fashion, music, and definitely food. Um, and it's really taking place, we're launching it as a festival that's um, taking place in New York uh, next month, actually, from April 29th to May 2nd. Um, And during this festival, you'll be able to taste all different types of Asian food in a variety of formats, whether it's a walk-around tasting or a private dinner or a cocktail party or a cooking demonstration. Well, you're being rather humble about the whole thing. You've got some, you have some pretty spectacular people hosting uh, hosting the events. Um, I do. I'm very excited about it. You know, I mean, when I started um, thinking about Lucky Rise, the first thing I did was obviously to reach out to the chef community and see how much interest there was. And what's really amazing is I think that. Um, you know, if we are what we eat, we're all part Asian, as I like to say, and it's definitely reflected in just New York's very vibrant dining scene. And so, you know, if you look at our culinary council, we've got obvious members like David Chang and Anita Lowe and Susser Lee, who grew up with Asian food and tradition mm-hmm. and are cooking it now. But we also have, you know, chefs like Danielle Balud and Eric Repair, who are known for, you know, classic French food. But yet they're on the council because they're so influenced by Asian ingredients and techniques um, and what they do. I mean, you know, the, the, the world is a different place when somebody like Danielle Balud is serving an $88 Peking duck on his hmm. menu, which is what he's doing right now right. at Cafe Balud, you know, the classic French bistro. It's, well, so. the, as you say, Asian food has just infiltrated um, every culture. And, every mm-hmm. and now, when we talk about Asian food, too, we're not we're not talking strictly Chinese, Japanese. We're talking Korean. Yes, Indian. I mean, there we're you know really going to be at Lucky Rice focusing on the Asian cuisines that have impacted American culture. So you know, we're talking about Japanese, Chinese, Vietnamese, Korean, Thai. Um, I know I'm forgetting something uh, there. Malaysian. <laughs> Malaysian, of course, um, and Singaporean, Singaporean, right? <laughs> um, I mean, there's so, there are so many different um, Asian ethnicities. There's hundreds of them. Um, and a lot of the cuisines stem from the ones that I just mentioned. But, uh, you know, we're really celebrating all of all of that here. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. I uh, Well, the other reason it caught my attention is because... Uh, not to be too proud. <laughs> My son is <laughs> Zach Palaccio with his yes. um, Malaysian restaurants, the Fatty Crab restaurants. Absolutely, on and the, we on love the Zach. And Zach is probably participating in more 
um, events at the festival than any other chef on our council, <laughs> which we're very happy about. He does get around. <laughs> but you He's know, super I find excited for Fatty Q. Yes, as well. yeah, yeah. That's his newest restaurant in Brooklyn, New York, in Williamsburg. But I find that chefs as a whole are an, an extremely generous group of people, mm-hmm. of professional people. Uh, a lot of times people go to these festivals and they don't realize that if they see a chef there serving food that's representative of their restaurant or their country or their culture, these chefs are are usually doing that for free. I mean, it's great publicity for Mm -hmm. them. They get that in return. But they are called upon weekly, if not more, to give to different um, benefits or festivals. They get it back in spades, certainly, but they... I don't know too many chefs that turn down opportunities to, to help out. And especially if um, the tasting is benefiting a nonprofit, you know, almost unanimously the chefs say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and with our festival, we're actually benefiting City Harvest and the Asian American Federation as well. Oh, that's wonderful. Of our proceeds. Yeah. City Harvest is, uh, feeds feeds the hungry. In uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if they do they exist in other cities outside of New York. Do you know? They're just New York focused right now Mm -hmm. yeah but they're such an amazing organization really they really are yeah and that again um a lot of restaurants and chefs participate in that because Uh they'll go around and pick up the uh, the extra food at the end of the evening right and we're going to be participating in that rescue effort um, throughout all of our tastings as well so you know after the grand feast at the mandarin oriental the city harvest trucks are going to come in and take that food and do their job. Well, now you mentioned the Grand Feast. Tell us a little bit about all of the events that are taking place because there are some, you've got some rather famous people, non-food world people involved as well. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it's, so the opening night is a cocktail party. Right. Um, you know, we really created a whole, just a, try to create something for everyone. Um, so lots of different types of events. We're opening with a cocktail party at the uh, Bowery Hotel that's going to be hosted by Lisa um, by Kelly Choi um, and that is going to be a basically a walk around tasting but all cocktails so we've got some of the best mixology bars in the city you know places like Apotec and Summit Bar Bar Pliati's um, B Flat Macau Freeman's uh, PDT Death & Co they're all creating Asian inspired cocktails you know so whether it's borrowing from you know, Japanese mixology, craft, or, you know, using Asian-inspired ingredients, or um, incorporating soju, sake into their cocktails. It's going to, you're not going to leave thirsty. (laughs) Interesting, right. Yeah. And then you follow that up the next day. The um, next day, we're doing a night market in Dumbo. And um, and that's, um, tell me about yeah, tell me, explain the night market, and then I want to talk about night markets in general for people who don't know. Um, okay, well, I mean, are. the night market is really, you know, just the gathering place in Asia, and we, we can get into this, but what we're trying to do is to recreate this experience um, in, the, in an outdoor uh, setting in Dumbo under the newly recreated uh, archway. I don't know if you've been there, but it's, well, Zach lives right across <laughs> the street, but it's just, it's this stunning... Um, one of the arches under the Manhattan Bridge that has been used by the government as a storage facility right. for decades, and it w- has some historic um, background. And I'm, I'm I don't know the history of that right uh-huh. at the moment. I'll bring that in next time I learn it. But it is it's a beautiful area right it on is. the East River um, mm-hmm. under the Brooklyn Bridge, looking it's over Manhattan. It's very cathedral like, you know, mm-hmm. like these soaring forty foot tall um, arches. 
And so, you know, we're going to be using that space. Also, close down a couple of streets right around there, including the Pearl Street Triangle that we're turning into mm. um, a completely Malaysian-inspired pavilion. Um, not just Malaysian food, but also Malaysian handiwork. And oh, That's what I wondered, amazing. if some of the other cultural handicrafts were going to be brought in. Yeah, no, you know, we really, uh, you know, the concept behind it is to create an authentic Asian night market where... You know, there's definitely an element of commerce going on. It's not just food, but there's oh, there's art, there's music, there's a lot of craft. Um, but to give it this Dumbo Brooklyn twist to it, right. so you well, know, to go back and explain a little bit mm-hmm. about night markets. You said this is really the gathering spot throughout right. Asia in, in the major cities, um, uh-huh. and there are specific foods that are um, are found to at night markets mm-hmm. and, and rarely served other times. I know you often will see on a menu night market noodles. Right. Well, I mean, night markets are just so ubiquitous in Asia, everywhere from Taipei to Kuala Lumpur to Singapore. It's just it's just really the fabric of daily life. And so, you know, you'll see families that will go out together after dinner for a night market snack. You know, I mean, people eat hmm. throughout the day constantly in Asia. I mean, I think... Um, you know, the Malaysians have a couple of different meals, you know, between their dinner and their the time they go to sleep. Um, and all of that happens at the night market, you know, you can... And why do you think that came about? I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to think, well, because they work, this is a chance for them to get, they work all day, and this is a chance mm-hmm. for them to get out, shop, have a little family meal, and... And meet friends, I guess. Right, well, I mean, I guess we're all obsessed with food, but I think Asians in particular... live to eat (laughs) for those of us that are fortunate enough to be in that situation we live to eat and um you know food is just such an amazingly huge part of asian culture you know everything revolves around eating um well even the welcome greeting isn't the welcome greeting in chinese yeah have you eaten rice exactly it's um which literally translates into have you eaten your rice. Well, have you eaten? But also rice is the foundation of all Asian meals. So, you know, it's literally have you eaten your rice? Well, we're going to take a short break and we're going to hear more about Lucky Rice when we come back.
Hi, we're here on Taste of a Past with Danielle Chang talking about Lucky Rice. You know, I had a question. We were talking about um, how even on the age you were saying how the Asians are obsessed with food. <laughs> we're all obsessed with food. Yes. Um, but even the greeting is, um, have you eaten rice? Mm-hmm. Chifan in Chinese. Um, and I mean, in lots of different cultures, it's not just the Chinese. Um, the common greeting is... Have you eaten yet? Have you eaten your rice yet? You know, and I remember being so annoyed when I was growing up because, you know, my grandmother would call me at all hours of the day. Like, I'd be speaking to her right before I went to bed and she'd say, have you eaten yet? And I'm like, isn't it obvious? I have. But um, it's just... uh, it's just in place of how are you? Well, what about Lucky Rice? Does, does that name have a, a particular meaning? It does. I mean, not only are all Asians rice lovers, but I think a lot of us are um, superstitious, too. So, you know, I wanted to create a name that was auspicious um, and that referenced Asian culture without being having the word Asian in the title. Mm-hmm. Um, and then rice is just such a common foundation of Asian cuisine. It's not partial to Chinese or Japanese or right. Malaysian food. It's just something that is found in, is the staple of, of most Asian meals. Um, so because Lucky Rice is about Pan-Asian cultures, we're not just celebrating Chinese or Japanese or Korean, but really the whole um, plethora of Asian cuisines that are available. Wanted to, to reference that in the name. And also, you know, the... The concept is really for everybody who loves Asian food, everybody who's Asian-minded. So didn't want to use the word Asian in the name of the company so mm-hmm. that people didn't think that it wasn't for them, it was only for Asians. Right. Um, because, you know, everybody loves Asian food, and um, you you find it, as we were saying, all over the city, you know, from the street carts to the temples of fine dining. That's right. That's true. Well, what what gave you this idea to start um, an, an Asian cultural culinary uh, site? You and, know, I mean, I've always because I'm Chinese, uh, you know, American. Um, you were, were you you were born? I was born in, in, Taiwan, in Taiwan, and my family is still in Asia. But I grew up in America, um, and so I've always wanted to do something, create a lifestyle business that my my background's in media that talked about my heritage, you know, mm-hmm. talked about my culture. But um, I think that, you know, the, the one common denominator for all Asian experiences is really through food. You know, I mean, if I talk specifically about the Chinese American experience or the Japanese American experience, I feel like it's too limiting. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in order to create a viable business and brand, I really wanted to address all Asians. And there's really no other, I think, denominator than food than food. I mean, it is a common denominator for all people, as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned. It's really a time when you can, uh, you know, you say, have you eaten rice? And of course, in um, Western cultures, we say, well, let's sit down and break bread together. Uh-huh. I mean, it's it's all about a time to sit down and take stock of, of the day and, mm-hmm. and uh, get in touch with your loved ones again. Absolutely. And I mean, especially in Chinese cultures, when I grew up, it was almost... Um, well, the meals are definitely the the focus and the highlight of every day. But you always gathered as many people as you could around a table. That's why, you know, we always have Lazy Susans because you always uh-huh. have a huge table, big round table with lots of different generations. And um, 
and the focus is just about the food. You know, it's it's quite different. I mean, even today when I go home um, to see my parents, we never talk about anything over the dinner food table except for the food. <laughs> you know, when did you have this dish last? Um, how was it prepared before? And the, it's it's uh you know you save you save the chit chat for later but uh when you're eating it you, you know the conversation always revolves around what is being put into your mouth well in my household with a couple of chefs involved that's uh-huh. of course out of respect to the to sure. cook as well <laughs> um right. well that and that it's interesting because i wanted to ask you um in i figured you must have quite a good relationship with food growing up because you mm-hmm. wouldn't have been so involved with this. or on the other hand you left your homeland. So mm-hmm. what's the first thing people miss about home is sure. usually the food. Right. What are some of your 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 favorite early food or fondest early food memories? I think that you don't realize how much food has an impact on who you are until you're older, you know, and you're away from home because, you know, there's certain things that I crave like congee, which is mm you know, um, basically a rice porridge. And I like my kanji a particular way. I don't know if there's a recipe for it, but it's the way that my grandmother made it. You know, it has lots of different Asian herbs in it. There's a whole black chicken that's due to create the broth. Um, and would I, you eat this? What what time of day would you generally eat this? That you can eat it any time. It makes the best breakfast. Breakfast, right. It's a, it's a beats a donut any day as far as I'm concerned and healthier for you for sure <laughs> right so that's interesting because everyone yeah everyone does have a favorite food memory that just you know we call it comfort food right mm-hmm. comfort food is usually the foods that you ate uh, when you were growing up or when right. you were with family yeah and it's really interesting because I think for a whole new generation of Americans their comfort food is Asian food hmm. you know I heard somewhere somebody told me that pho, the Vietnamese right. beef noodle soup, is the new chicken noodle soup. Yes. <laughs> you know, when they're when when I think a whole new generation, Gen Y, when they get sick, they crave those flavors, you know, the cloves and the star anise, um, the 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 aromatic beef broth that you get in a pho, because it's actually probably um, easier to get a good bowl of pho than it is to get a good bowl of chicken noodle soup yeah, these days, especially yeah. in New York. In New York, in Brooklyn. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's interesting, too, because um, in the culinary world, we have added another flavor. We had our sweet, salty, sour, mm-hmm. bitter, and now we've added umami. Right. And that comes from the Asian cuisine. So it's uh-huh. all it's really being incorporated into into world cuisine in more ways than just different dishes from different nationalities. Right, right. No, and umami, you know, it's a um it's it's this sixth flavor yes. or um but you know, you can find it. It's it's I guess the most commonly known form of umami is MSG. <laughs> but you can <laughs> find it. To cut out, right? <laughs> you can find it in um it's a naturally occurring glutamate and it's like found in a lot of the foundations of Japanese food and, and the mushrooms and the, the fish stock, the bonito and seaweed, um, obviously, and soy, but, uh, you know, also in a lot of American foods like cheese. So there's this new phenomenon going on in L.A. called the umami burger. I don't know if you've heard of no, this. No, I haven't. It's, uh, it's this, like, heavy umami-flavored burger. So they actually, they, they, they take a piece of Parmesan cheese, they melt it, they crisp it for that extra, like, mm. 
mouth savoriness. <laughs> I'm there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, I didn't know that. I have to check into the umami burger. Mm. Uh, back to the Lucky Rice launch, the, mm-hmm. the festival. Um, what we didn't talk about were a couple of there. Um, well, three things that that uh, drew my attention. You are going to have also on a um, a discussion on Buddhist cuisine mm-hmm. and how chefs think, how different people think about that. Um, tell me a little bit about that. that sounded yeah, very interesting. No, I'm really excited about that conversation. Um, and it's going to be a pretty serious talk about um, Buddhism and the ethics of food. Uh, and it's being led by Robert Thurman, who's a if probably the most well-known Buddhist authority in America when he's not being known for being Uma Thurman's father. <laughs> oh, no, see, I didn't know that. <laughs> but he's, uh, you know, he's the head of religion department at Columbia. He's the president of Tibet House. I think he founded it, actually. And he's going to be leading this conversation with Eric Repair, the chef from La Bernadette, who's mm-hmm. a Buddhist, um, and has pretty interesting Buddhist ethics in his kitchen. Um, and also David Chang from Amafuku, who is really well known for loving pork, but also um, was a religion studies major from Trinity. And he's actually currently visiting Buddhist temples in Korea right now. So he'll be back to share, you know, his thoughts on that. I think that'll be a, a phenomenal thing to uh, to would be to, to listen to. And that takes mm-hmm. place on Saturday afternoon? That, Saturday actually, evening that takes six- place um, on Friday on evening Friday. from... Six to eight at the Ruba Museum, which is devoted to the art of the Himalayans um, and a lot of Buddhist art. So, you know, right. following the talk, we're going to have a little champagne, and then we're going to stroll the galleries because they're oh, open terrific. all night. Till oh, I that's think wonderful! 11. So you have private a private viewing there. Yeah. yeah, and then you also got a dumpling uh, workshop with Chef Anita Lowe mm-hmm. for kids, and then let's don't leave out the grand tasting the final event right right? that's gonna be pretty interesting we're gonna have about 20 different chefs and at the mandarin oriental so it's kind of like our our gala event our red carpet event um and we're having chefs and from Danielle, including Danielle Ballou, Jean Georges, Morimoto, and you have a very special host for that evening, Lisa as well. Ling. Lisa, Lisa Ling. Ling, who's a dear friend and um, a, a very serious journalist and great advocate for Asian America. Um, so excited that she'll be there. Well, that's it's. I mean, every all the events sound just wonderful, and the oh, food, nice. the 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 participating restaurants and chefs, mm. I just makes my mouth water to, to read the list of them. So I encourage people to look in at look, luckyrice.com and you can mm-hmm. read about it. If you're fortunate enough to be in the New York City area at the end of April, April 29th through May 3rd, 2nd, 3rd? Through May 2nd. And then yeah. we're following that with um, a Lucky Rice Restaurant and Bar Week, actually. Yes. So yes. participating restaurants and bars are going to be creating an Asian-inspired tasting menu. So, you know, it really gives chefs an opportunity to be very creative because a lot of chefs that don't normally feature Asian food on their menu will have an opportunity to create something um, inspired by the flavors of Asia. Oh, this is really exciting. And then you, your plans for the future are even to give some culinary tours to other um, other con- Asian countries? You know, we're going to launch in San Francisco and L.A. next year. So oh. um, the idea is to really follow the foodies around the country and, um, you know, create these experiences. Oh, that sounds wonderful. So, again, it's LuckyRice.com. And, um, Danielle, I want to thank you so much. Danielle Chang, the founder. Thank you. I also want to bring... 
people's attention to another program, which was just what we were talking about. The It's a joint program between the Culinary Historians of New York and the Museum of Chinese in America. And it's about... Um, um, Chinese American, the Chinese American food scene today um, in America, and that how how the food differs, the food in the restaurants differs from what a lot of Asian um, nationals ate at home and what they remember the food to be. And uh, we have a panel of people talking about some of their experiences, and they're going to give us their opinions on the Asian culinary scene in America today, and that should be interesting. Mm -hmm. That's March 23rd at the Museum of the Chinese in America. And I want to, uh, again, thank Danielle for making it over to, to Bushwick at Roberta's Pizza, and thank, <laughs> thank Roberta's you. Pizza, this too. This really fun, <laughs> and uh, I will definitely join you next week at Terrific, Roca. terrific. Like I'd like to thank our producer, Jack Inslee, and our engineer, Nat Wiener, and, of course, our sponsor, Dixon's Farm Stand Meats. This is Linda Palaccio for A Taste of the Past. Thank you.